that's why we need to work hard to find different ways where we can bring in more money. Not so our businesses, like if you own a business, of course you want to make more money. That's right. the whole point. Yeah. But so we can take care of our employees. Then they're going to be in better employees. They're going to treat our families better. And yeah. then we're going to get more business. And, and it's just a whole circle. Yeah. All right, Amber, tell us in your own words, how do you think the funeral industry relates to food and what is your relationship personally? And how do you think it could help people going through the death process? And then as funeral directors, most of us listening, how can we incorporate that into what we do every day? Yeah. Um, okay. So I think this is a great question. It was already a great question, but because you said like most of the people that are listening are funeral directors, yes. I think that that is something that I haven't really touched upon enough is like, how can we as funeral directors utilize this? Yeah. And I guess I, what I would say is I would ask every funeral director right now to close your eyes and think about some of the last funerals that you've done. And then ask yourself, like, what were the stories that the families were telling? Mm -hmm. Did they get up and did they, did they talk about like a holiday party? Did they talk about, were they talking about grandma's Christmas cookies? Were they talking about like Sunday, like mother's day brunches? And like, I know for me, at least in my experience, because I don't like to talk for other people, is that almost every single funeral I did, the families talked about food. And I think that as funeral directors, um, people will ask a lot like, well, um, what's an appropriate story? What can I say at the funeral? I feel really nervous. I don't know what to write. You know, they want, they want us to give them permission to feel however they want to feel, which my permission is always like, I'm like, if you're angry, if you're sad, if you feel nothing, first of all, that's all normal. Um, But food stories are a really great place to guide families because they often are filled with uh, numerous members of the family. So there is a chance that there are other people included in the story that may have died that like everyone gets to share in. Um, They're generally safe. And if they're not safe, it's probably because there's story is going to edge into some sort of like zany bathroom humor, you know, it'll be like, and then uncle Jared farted and we all laughed, you know, like it's, it's That's really, the worst outcome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really rare that it's like all of a sudden the daughter of the decedent takes the mic and begins, you know, it's like, that's, that doesn't usually happen with the, Those aren't like, you know, those terror, the terror stories. Um, so I find that a lot of, I think the work that I've been doing is like to circle back is I'm just really big on giving families permission to feel and giving them that guidance. Cause that's really our job. And I think that it's a good thing to point out, especially given past conversations with other influencers that say that people like you, that you don't need a funeral director, which can I just go on record and say, I always disagreed with. I Thank do you. think that you <laughs> yeah, I can talk to my friends about all of my emotional daddy issues, but perhaps a therapist would be a better place. You know, like maybe friends are for friends and drinking mimosas and therapists are for unpacking heavy things. And a funeral <laughs> director is like, we're not paper pushers. And I find right. it rather insulting that that, there, that, that was a thing um, right. because a good funeral director you know how to read your family. Like, and you're not just reading one person. You've got like, you have like all of these family dynamics that you're sitting with. And yeah. I, I'm definitely like the peacemaker and I'm definitely like, 
I, I like to do like jazz hands, song and dance and get people distracted and like, hey, yeah. like, okay, so like, why don't we think about a time? Like, what's a meal? Like, what's a thing that you like? Because I feel like they're just like great ways to get families to, it's to redirect. Um, yeah. And it's the same thing that I did when I used to dress bodies. Sorry, my cat is taking this time to walk across the stove. Oh, Dennis. come on in. Join us, Dennis. <laughs> he knows. He like understands now that if we're sitting right here, that he can just do whatever he wants. Um, <laughs> it's kind of ingenious, but infuriating. Um, but so I should say that I still dress bodies. I like, because I feel like once a funeral director, always a funeral director. And sure. recently my best friend from high school's mother passed away and I went uh, home I, well, I, I mean, I reached out to her first and was like, hey, I know you know this is a thing that I do. I want to offer this service to you. Yeah. Um, and so we dressed her mom for her service and we did her makeup and it was just like amazing. I might have stuck some rosé into my purse and we had some rosé in the funeral home. Please don't drink at funeral homes, but also, <laughs> I don't care. It wasn't my funeral home. Uh, yeah, but when like, you're in the prep room, eh, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, but like it is for me indicative of like, I like, I just associate food with um, like, even like right now, I'm just like holding my chest. It's like, yeah, food makes people feel better. It's, it's when I dress bodies, I don't go like, all right, go get the socks and let's put those socks on your mom's feet. I go, interesting. So what did you bring for your mom? What do we have here? Like what dress? What? Okay. So we have a dress. Okay. Where did you get this dress? Can you tell me about the significance of it? So back it a little bit, right? Yeah. So we're like, you're helping people work through emotions because here's the thing is like, at this point, you know what they're feeling, you know what they're going through, you know that this is, you have all the answers. And that's why like people that are good at this are really good at this and why we're so useful because it's like, we know the questions that need to be asked. We know the questions that need to be asked before the families ask them. And we generally, you know, have a, uh, an idea of a good layout that makes people feel relief so that they can do what they want to do or they need to do, or I don't want to say need that feels maybe people don't need to grieve. I think that people need to work through things. Death is very scary. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, it's sort of like, I, I pick hands-on activities, honestly, it probably could have been, I mean, I wanted to like, sew and do those little like memory teddy bears from people's clothing, but I'm not like the best seamstress. Um, but like, I like to eat and I've waited tables for my entire life. And I come from a family of like cooks and back of the house people. And like, sure. so for me, that's, that's like my voice is in food and that's my way of finding a way to connect with families. And so I yeah. would say I encourage other funeral directors to find what works for them. Like, I don't know if you're not into food, but we are storytellers and food is a really great place to help families tell stories that make them feel better, even if it's just for that, even if it's for that moment where they're just like, they're just stuck and they can't find the words and they're trying to push through, they're trying to push through. So yeah, I feel like hopefully that explains it all is that I think the, uh, the long of the short is I think food provides a safe way for people to explore emotions. And I usually yeah. find that <laughs> the family's not going to surprise you with anything that you were like, oh boy, I wish I Wish I hadn't opened up that can of worms. That was right. a mistake. Um, and I've just heard people have like, like one of the last funerals, because I did online funerals during COVID. Yeah. And this woman wrote the most amazing story, like eulogy about her husband. And it was just completely centered around 
all of the meals that they shared, all the meals they would never get to share again, walking through the gardens and the smells. And, and it was just, it was just great. Like I, I loved it. Um, so yes. Yeah. I think, I think it relates so much to so many different things. It's going to hit all your senses, which I I've talked about before, but I think that's such a big thing that you got to consider like funeral directors, like lighting candles or using their perfume or cologne or something like those stuff that triggers those memories. But it's the same thing with food, but that triggers Mm -hmm. even more senses. And then it brings you back to those amazing memories that they had. They shared with their family together or their friends. And that's such a beautiful moment because it can connect to their past with that loved one. Mm -hmm. So I do love that feature. And like, if you can incorporate that into the grieving process with the family, then all the better. I think that's just a, a beautiful touch and a good way to, to look at things. Yeah. It also has a lot to do with their culture or their background and their upbringing. Like all that stuff can be incorporated through food. And it's a different, it's a whole different outlook on things. Like not that many people consider discussing food. They're gonna be like, give us your best memory, your favorite memory from your loved one. That's like so open-ended. It's yeah. maybe a little bit better to go specific and say, tell us about, you know, your loved one's favorite meal or tell us about a a family tradition that you shared and things like that will get them to open up. You feel that connection. You can connect with those pastimes and then you could build as a funeral director on top of that and creating the service that they really deserve, I think. Yeah. And I kind of think that that's, I think that's where we need to go as an industry. You know, we have rising cremation rates. You can't, you can't keep an inner industry afloat if your entire, like if everything revolves around you being able to sell like a piece of land and a casket, like that's a bad business model. And I, like, as I mentioned earlier, like I have a hospitality background. Like I have, Mm -hmm. you don't need to put on, doesn't matter how old I am. I am in my thirties, upper side. I've been waiting tables since I was 15. Like if there is one thing that I know, and it's, I don't know a lot. I know hospitality and I know, like, I know how to like serve and wait on people. And I really think that the funeral industry is very similar to being a waitress. Just sub that plate of uh, French fries for a dead person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, but it's uh, that connection that you have and you have to be there every step of the way and attending to all their needs. So I, mm-hmm. I can totally see that. Yeah. I just think that like, I think that there's a way for us to, and I, I mean, it's, I feel like this conversation is slightly different because I'm having it with a, you know, like a funeral director colleague right. as opposed to someone that's like, tell me what a funeral director does. And it's like, right. okay. Um, but I do think that it's, I think that having, adding those kinds of services are a way for the funeral industry to, like, I don't want to say make money because I think that there's a difference between like talking about capitalism and saying like, well, we can't afford to pay the people that dig the graves very much because we have shareholders and saying everyone deserves to make a living wage and the point of being alive is to take care of our community and be there for people when they need us. And everyone deserves to make enough money. Like you deserve to be in a good mental place by not having to worry about how you'll pay your bills so that when someone's child dies in a horrific accident, that you have the bandwidth to be there for them. And so in, in that way, I don't think that I don't see anything unfair in an exchange of like money for services. Um, Not at all. That's what it's all about. And the funeral industry is still very much a lot small businesses primarily still and we need to we need to be able to make money we need to mm-hmm. put we're, we're taking care of our families and 
you know, it's, it's not like our, our funeral homes typically have, I've said this many times, but it's not like we have multiple houses. We're reeling in the dough. It's like, no, we're trying to help these families. People don't understand the upfront costs that it costs or the behind the scenes costs that it costs funeral homes. It's very expensive. And that's why you need to make your money where you can, you got to get in front of families. You've got to serve them to the absolute best gets them coming back and then you can make money in different ways. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We're yeah. running a business. Like it's as much, it, it is so much a service, but at the same time, it is, it is a business and that's okay. I, I'm totally with you. Yeah. I, it was very frustrating when during the, like the, the peak period of people being like, what do I need a funeral director for? Like, you know, it's bad when they're asking me what they need a funeral director for. And I'm like, you came to the mortuary that like associated with the book that you read and you're asking why you need me like yeah. lady come on this isn't this is insulting um have fun filling out that death certificate good luck figuring yeah. out where everything is i mean that's a and that's, that's for your loved one and like we specialize in this and it like it, it's such an important work and we all have the the great majority have beautiful big hearts and we just want to help these families and we do so much more than people ever realize. And like you were saying, Amber, like we know from our experiences, like how families are coping with different things. We understand that dynamic. And we like, we know how to phrase it. Like, like you said, like if you have to put on the jazz hands and distract them with the story or do something, you have to do that to make sure they're okay. And they're going through this process because people are going to do it. They're going to grieve in different ways. Like you said, yeah. they're going to be angry. They're going to be sad. They're going to be upset. They might be laughing and like, enjoying life. It, it's all so different. You have to understand that dynamic and you have to be, have that experience. And that's why I think it's great that you're doing the things that you do. And a lot of us funeral directors are now is we're, we're coming together to show how much work we really do behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. So people can realize, Oh, like these funeral directors are very important. That's yeah. what we're here to do. Yeah. I, I definitely think that like there needs to be like a continued sort of like revamp in like yeah. This is, yeah, because it, it is like, well, the job of a funeral director is for people to not even know that you've done anything. And it's like, sure, yes, but perhaps we need to take a more aggressive <laughs> direction yeah. here because I really do like, because, yeah, I just remember being like completely aghast. Like sometimes like women would be like, our prices, absurdly fair, absurdly absurdly fair <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I would have people like people will still think it's expensive I guarantee it mm -hmm. guarantee it. Mm -hmm. yeah and it was I'll tell you what it was real real hard to always be kind and graceful and be yeah. a death positive educator because it was like I was telling this story to a girl yesterday I was like when I ran undertaking LA I was also waiting tables at the same time mm -hmm. which was part of how we were able to offer prices for so low so I'm like, okay, well, the price that I'm offering you, it's not even, an, I like, I have to have a second job and I would be like at work. I would be at work and like, sure. like yeah, like the mortuary yeah. phone, which was also my cell phone because we couldn't afford a mortuary phone. So I had to pick up my phone all the time for everything. Very, so much, so much stress. And like, I'd be like, oh my God, hey, Monique, can you watch table 45? They need a Diet Coke. The cops are on the phone. I have to go out back and talk to them. And oh, then you're just like, Okay. All right. So there's a dead. Okay. So and you're just like the most like, it's just like such a weird, bizarre land phone conversation. And then I yeah. hang up the phone and be like, and I just go back inside and be like, how's that Chilean sea bass treating you? And I'd be like, oh my God. And it's like totally like dual personalities and just like turning it on, turning it off, turning it yeah. on, turning it off.
that had to have been exhausting. It was. I mean, it was a tough experience. Tell us more about it um, for anyone that doesn't know what Undertaking LA is and like how it came to be and what, what you did. Yeah. Okay. So Undertaking LA was the funeral home that I opened up with Caitlin Doty, um, who's like the creator of the Order of the Good Death. Yep. And I had met her right after I'd actually like started emailing her when I was in mortuary school. And then I reached out to her after I worked for Forest Lawn, which are you familiar with them? They're kind of like, yeah, like yeah. Elizabeth Taylor, Michael Jackson. Yep. So I was an embalmer there. I lasted about four months. I was like, oh my God, this place is an insane asylum. You people are like, I worked with all girls too. So like, go ahead. If you're a dude listening to this, this is lady on lady crime. This had nothing to do with men. I just think that I'm going to give you a pass because I know that you're probably not getting so many of them, but this was definitely toxic girl environment. And I, yeah. I was like, okay, I can't work around. I, I can't be on a floor with like 75 dead bodies and getting getting bullied. Like this is high school. This is bananas. Goodness um, gracious. Oh, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. I was literally throwing up every morning before work because I was so stressed out. I would like clock in. I would put my what, stuff in. What my- would happen? Like what would they say or what would they do that caused like this ridiculousness? There's, I have a few really delightful stories there. Um, but basically they just kept trying to get me in trouble. So they would, they would have, I always explain that there's this scene in Mean Girls and I don't know if you've seen Mean Girls, but there's a scene. Of course, in mean- come on now. Okay. So this scene where all the girls are in front of the mirror and they're like, oh, my pores are so big. My thighs are so, oh, my, oh, my shoulders. So that's a thing that women do. And it's a trick <laughs> to get the weaker woman to say something terrible that they can use against them later. And so they were like, all the girls were like saying like, wildly inappropriate things. And I was like, I don't know. When I was younger, I used to have like an eating disorder. And like, I live in LA. Of course I did. Everyone here has one. I'm very comfortable talking about it. It's not a big deal. No one has to feel bad for me. I am very empathetic to it. You try walking around in the city where the Kardashians live and not feel slightly be like, oh, oh, my nose. Um, And I said it very casually. And once they decided that they did not like me, this became, it turned into me like thinking that I was better than them, which now in retrospect, I do think, yes. (laughs) Lady, <laughs> I was. Yeah, I was better than you. I'm sorry. I'm making that joke. I'm taking it. It's mine. I've earned it. It's been like 10 years, whatever. Um, but yeah, they just kept getting me in trouble. Um, they uh they had an inappropriate conversation about the size of one of the coworkers' upper area, and I made a joke about how I was very flat chested, and I got called into the office and was told that I was not that it was not allowed to talk about my bra size on the floor. Oh and that my it, gosh. I, I know. I like, and I like, don't know if this is an appropriate story to tell you, but I also feel like I'm like, I really need you to know the level of pettiness because yeah. this girl was swinging her boobs back and forth while the other embalmers, mind you, the other professional embalmers taking care of your loved ones were clapping and singing big titty Wanda, big titty Wanda, big titty Wanda. I dare these girls to say that I'm making this up. I dare them. And I yes. went, I said, LOL, like I wear, I am a size A, must be really nice. So when my boss told me that I talked my bra size, I was like, that's so interesting, Vicky. Did they tell you why I brought that up? And she was like, uh-huh. she was like, oh, uh, no. And it was like, let me, uh, let me play that out for you. Let me tell you the little song and dance that happened that made me go, 
I guess I have small. I am small. I'm like, look, man, I'm just trying to fit in with you people. Um, And she was like, oh, well, they didn't tell me. And I'm like, of course they didn't tell you. So like it was stuff like that where it was just like, like gaslighting would be an understatement. This was like, this was like Looney Tunes, like Looney Tunes girl world of like just acne, like bombs falling on me all the time where I was like, like I couldn't do it. I was like, I was paranoid. I like couldn't choose. You know, and you have to serve your apprenticeship for two years. And the girl that the girl that was in charge of training me was the one that hated me the most. Like she oh. wanted me to know she did not want me there. I did not fit in. She had decided I was done. And so she would just get all the girls to like gang up on me. Um, so, yeah, I was just like trying to keep my shit together. And I would just go into the bathroom and I just every day I would just like vomit. And then oh I would. God go out and then bomb someone's dead baby. Literally, I, that was a day. Like, I remember going in there and then holding a baby and just being like, I can't work in a place where, like, no. I am confronted with this l- monumental level of grief, but then also be worried that I might have a n- have to have another conversation about not talking about my bra size at work. Right. This is, I, I, like, just speechless. So You should have grabbed one of the extra bras from Miss Smith in the corner and tossed it at her. <laughs> yeah, here here yeah i mean and that's the thing is it's like i'm sure i'm sure you know like all the the toxic people in the funeral industry are really you know there's toxic people everywhere but there are certain special kind of toxic in the funeral industry that just makes me like so so angry because i'm like you cannot like you can't don't touch our families don't don't be there so anyways that is one of the stories (laughs) but yeah So So that all led you. (laughs) That all, yeah. I'm like super old man. I just tell like really long rambling stories. No, Um, I like it. It's a good story. (laughs) Not good, but. Yeah, no, it's, look, I find that story hysterical now. Hey, I mean, the thing is like now it like led you on a different path and like look where you've gotten over the time. Like, you know, it's it's ended up being good. It sounds like a horrible situation, but end of the day, it seems like you're much happier than you would have been if you had to stick that out. Totally. I I would definitely say that like, if there was any advice that I could give to people on that, that it's don't like, you don't have to stay somewhere that's toxic. Like I am to this day, like I'm really proud of myself for just being like, you know what? I don't care. Like, I'm not going to be a part of this and I'm not going to like, I'm not going to engage in this. And I'm also like, I'm not going to let you poison the well. And because eventually what would happen, and it's what I said when I quit, I said, I can't stay here because eventually I am either going to be too despondent and too sad to do a good job. And I am going to make a colossal mistake that will haunt me forever. Because right now I just have a funny story about how I have small boobs. But what would be horrible is if it was like a story about how I accidentally embalmed a Jewish person because someone not at my location, but someone at another location did that because it's they didn't read the. That's tough. Yeah, it's just an assembly line of people there. It's just like, it's just gurney after gurney after gurney. And it's a really high stress environment. And there are a lot of toxic people. So yeah, no thanks. No thanks. Um, Yeah, so then I started working with Caitlin and we started undertaking LA. And I was pretty excited about that because I I really liked, um, even at Forest Lawn, like, I like obviously families weren't really dressing the dead, but I would take like hairspray and like like combs like this. I would like take a little bag with me when I would go to the viewings and um, I would talk to the families and sort of hedge off things where I was like, hey, like your mom had the most beautiful hairstyles and I did the best that I could to recreate it. I already know I didn't I could have done better, 
what I would like is if maybe you ladies would like to help me fix your mom's hair. And, and that was like such a beautiful moment. Cause these, the women were like, all of a sudden you could just see them kind of becoming like, they were all in like their like late fifties, early sixties. And like, they were yeah. kind of scared at first, you know? And I was like, course, yeah. it's, it's okay. Just, just do this. And, um, and yeah, it was so undertaking LA was great. Cause I just got to do that with all of my families. And I wasn't like mm-hmm. worried about getting in trouble or like, you know, cause at Forest Lawn, it was like, you have 45 minutes and you need to be back kind of thing, which yeah. you can't, you can't give good customer service. I can't no. like, I can't put a time frame around your debt. Sorry, uh, Lily. Uh, I have to be back upstairs. It's been 45 minutes, but you'll get through this. Don't worry. Take it day by day. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, you'll talk to six other people. You won't see me again. I, I, yeah. That's how it goes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's hard. So we're, so when you did, you know, make that transition, were you able to incorporate some of your food things when you were working with Undertaking LA? Like, did you try to do a little bit of that? I did. And it was before I started Mortician in the Kitchen, but it was like, it was yes. the things that made me realize I was like, oh, this is like a really important, like, this is part of it. Like I would, um, I made Victorian morning biscuits for one of my families. Um, oh. And like, I, I definitely would read the room. Like, is this a family that is going to be like, this is so sweet? Or is this the family that would be like, um, thanks, no. And this family, um, yeah. their dad was in a punk rock band here in LA. And they, they were like super, super cool. And I, yeah. I like, I knew this was like, oh, this is something that is going to be like, they'll like, and is touching and, and is like a nice, uh, you know, like a, I made this for you. I spent time by you guys right. are nice. I love you. Yeah. Um, but I definitely did, you know, it was during that time where I started realizing, I was like, huh, like everybody talks about food. Like there's always, and even if it's not during the service, everyone, the second they're done, like, what do they want to do when they're done with the service? They want to eat lunch. lunch. Yeah. yeah. What are we eating? What's, what's for lunch? Where are we going? Um, but you know, you'd hear, I'd sometimes they would just, you know, you're like walking around, making sure everybody's sure. good and ha- happy with, and real, you know, right. Ha- right enough. Um, and I could just, you, you hear them talking about those stories. Gosh, I remember like, <sighs> I just remember being there with Phil and like, he'd always make us these pancakes when we were kids. It was so much fun. We'd come over to his house and we'd hang out with like his grandkids and like, you know, like, or alcohol. A lot of people talk about like, man, I, you know, I just remember like Steve, I had a fireman uh, here in LA and uh, we did a a beer toast because it was during a lockdown. And so Uh his favorite thing was Guinness, which I find to be respectable. And so we invited, yeah, yeah. We invited all the participants of the service to come, come with a drink. And then like together, we all did like a virtual, you know, like a virtual toast where everyone like held up their favorite beer. Um, And that was great. And it's, it's really little things. Like none of this, like everything that we did was like, oh, like that didn't actually cost me any money or any additional time. And it enhanced the value of my service to my family. And like we as funeral directors, like that's an easy thing to do because it's not like printing up memorial cards and you're like, oh shit, is Vivian right. I-A-N? Like, I'm terrified of that shit to this day. Oh like, my I'm- gosh, yeah. It's <laughs> the worst. One little error could ruin, send off the entire funeral. And it's that's the stuff that you got to be careful with. But when you do the stuff that goes above and beyond, it's like, they know I'm doing this just to like help. So yeah. they're not going to be as like nitpicky sometimes, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's a good way about to go about it. Yeah, I would definitely... Definitely recommend just being like, 
what if instead of memorial cards, we just do cakes and pies, you know, like, let's not do anything with dates on it that could be <laughs> terribly wrong. Save, save my job. So is that where you came up with the idea for a mortician in the kitchen was like going through that whole process? You're like, wow, this correlates so much. Yeah, because I was really looking for something that could be mine. It was really like, yeah. you know, when you work with the girl who's ask a mortician, they kind of start, they got like, they're like, what's your thing? And they're like, I don't know, ask me. And I'm like, damn it. Okay, well, what is there something that you don't want to talk about that could be for me? And it really just leaned, it leaned into like being authentic. And like I said, like, yeah. I'm a waitress. Like I have all I like waited tables while I was a funeral director and I always felt like even as a funeral director I still felt like I was a waitress and whether or not that is like because I have a joy for hospitality or if it's slightly because I'm like I can't believe I'm still waiting tables but like my grandmother was a waitress she was a single mom and a waitress my grandpa great grandpa came from Greece and like worked in like the back of kitchens here in LA like our family's from LA my grandma worked at the pig and whistle which is like this insanely famous place in Hollywood it's no it's next to uh the Chinese theater um but like it just it feels like it feels like that's who that's who I am authentically is like I cuss a lot and I say a lot of inappropriate stories and I'm super awkward and like I'm offensive when I don't mean to be but if I can just make you a cookie I can just like be like here's a cookie brush everything over right there you would set me on that for sure that's great. I love that you're being authentic to, to who you are and incorporating it to both jobs you do. And it's a beautiful thing. And I think people can learn from it too and use it. And they're like, I'm thinking as a funeral director, like how I can use them. Like we could definitely double down on this sort of thing and make it more personal. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great idea to, if you have the space, like at your facility, I'm talking more business-wise now, mm-hmm to offer luncheons for family and say, let's make this like their meal and mm-hmm. have it for your family. As opposed to like going to a restaurant and like you have the rest of food, like maybe it was their favorite restaurant, but there's something about that home cooked, like actual meal. That's what triggers the memories. And that's something that a lot of funeral homes could easily offer if they have the space yeah. to, to go above and beyond and like it would leave that memory and they're going to come back to you. They're going to be like, oh, remember when we got so-and-so at the funeral home? Like that was awesome. Yeah. And that's definitely something that like, I remember, I remember asking about that in mortuary school because I kept coming back to it. I was like, I just don't understand why we don't make this more personable. Like, I don't know why, because to me with like, as a waitress and like, as like a family that like loves to eat, like it was like a no brainer. I was like, this is, and I know that there are certain States where they can't have food in the funeral home. So like, with that it's fine but like i also know that there's usually a way around everything and if there's like a facility next door or something like that um but it's yeah it's because it because it is so again i'm only saying this because i'm talking to to funeral director but this is a way to make money this is a service so if you're trying to figure out how you can pivot if you have families that are only choosing cremation that's great because you can offer these services you can if there's yeah. someone there that can like lead a cooking class. And I used to do that when I worked at the downtown women's center is I also, so this is why I think I, I was primed for this for a really long time, but You've I been doing for a long time. <laughs> I, yeah, I was leading cooking classes and teaching women how to like scale up to feed 80 people. So when I was like in my early twenties, it's like, I would create a menu, find recipes and then scale them up, you know, from sure. serves 12 to 80 and then divvy those recipes up. 
I'd be happy to like find some stuff to send it as an example, but basically yeah. you just, you take all the family members and you split up, you know, you're in charge of the cream cheese and the pasta noodles. You're in charge of tomato sauce and butter. You're in charge of this. And then you all come together, you make the meal. People had a wonderful time. It was cool. so much fun. Um, and it's just more meaningful than just like, you know, like we'd like your donations, please give us money to feed the homeless. Like this was something right. that people felt engaged. And that is like engagement, engagement, engagement is the name to everything. Like everything, social media, it's all about engagement. Everything. Yeah. And it I, is. yeah, that's, that's amazing. And something that you could do at your funeral home, if you're a funeral director out there, whoever's listening, like you can do this stuff. I always thought it was a good idea to, to even redo like your lounge and make it look like a coffee shop or even a bar like if you can get like that's what i that's my dream is like i want to make it look like an actual coffee shop and like have that and have like a catering service come in like all these different things that you can do and that's more ways that you can bring in revenue like and if you can get in i know in some states you can have uh, a outside caterer come into your funeral home and they have a liquor license like that's another thing like people bond over a drink too or whether if it's coffee or tea whatever that is it's those kind of things that it's like you're getting more people to be in the door for longer they're showing your value at your funeral home that's just like the perfect recipe pun intended yeah. of like having a good service it, i mean it really it really really is and it really is yeah. something that i think that like for everybody listening I, you know, if they're like, oh, that's not going to work. I, I, I ask you to, um, to, to do the, the LA, the LA improv mentality and, uh, and yes. And yes. And that just think you should make food for your family. Yes. And where could we do that? You know, like, cause people are so yeah. quickly like, fra, 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 fra. no, that won't work. Um, yeah. I also had a woman who follows my Instagram account. And she was telling me, she'd looked at a post and was like, oh my gosh, my mom just died. And she had these amazing like, uh, like cream cheese spin wheel things. And I was like, oh, you should, um, probably short on time, happy to help you, but make instead of memorial cards, uh, write your mother's recipes out and give the recipes to people instead. Because then, yeah. And that is something that's super easy that we could do as funeral directors. Like, I mean, you know, we, we all have some sort of template program. You can put it in. It doesn't have to be fancy. It's, it really is. I mean, you can make it as beautiful as you want. Um, she ended up just photocopying her mom's recipes because she was like, oh my gosh, this is great. It's going to happen soon. But she messaged me later and she's like, Hey, I wanted to say thank you because it got me thinking. I took my mom's two favorite recipes. Uh, she like, you know, placed them on the screen and then photocopied it as like an eight by 11 with the two side by side and then gave those out to everybody. And she's like, everybody took one. Yeah. And it's amazing because it's like you live on through your food. So it's it's not just about engaging with the families. It's the idea of like continuing bonds. Like everybody gets to take a little piece of like this woman's life home with them. And now they can create her recipes and they can think about her. And like and again, as a funeral director, like, man, I wanted to cry when I read that message. That made me that was like that was just the greatest thing. Like that's that fills me with joy. It's like, cool. So now this woman like gets to keep going on and on and all these people's houses and they'll keep thinking about her and you know you what is the saying like you die twice like your first death and then when the last person that remembers you die dies and like recipes is a way it's to continue on throughout like history such a good point yeah and And i'm heartless i only have a cat so i'm gonna need that (laughs) (laughs) and and everyone takes a little piece of their memory with them and 
they'll keep that forever. And it's just like something that they can be like, oh, we could make that recipe. And it's just, it does live on. And that's so cool. And why wouldn't you want a recipe from your great, great grandfather, whoever it was like, that's so cool. And like, maybe who knows what's going to happen in 150 years, our food might be trash in comparison. I don't know, (laughs) but but it's like, it's that little stuff that that's really cool. And um, that is our job as funeral directors, I think is to preserve a memory of the person. It's an under, like an undertone of what you do as a funeral director. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I really do believe that we're like, we are genealogists. Like we are the keeper of people's family's history. And like we, we, a death certificate is documenting their history in, in Mm -hmm. a very, very real sense. And like having all this and like creating these memories. Like, I think that like, I, our job, I think our job is, I take our job very, very seriously. Um, I like have so much reverence for what we do. And I just, I have so much hope for us that like, because I think we really need to tackle like burnout because I think that like there are just so many young people who are excited to be funeral directors for the right and the wrong reasons. Um, And I definitely think that like increasing revenue and being able to pay people what they're worth because it's, you're worth a lot. Anybody, everybody's worth a lot. Like everybody, everyone deserves to make enough money to not struggle. But um, I just, I think that I know in LA at least the turnover is incredibly high and I no mystery as to why, (laughs) you know, you just, it is in Chicago too, no doubt. And I think there's a, a variety of reasons, but you're right. Like we're doing jobs that almost no one wants to do. You should be compensated for that. That, that yeah. is what I'm going to say, because that, that that's, it, it takes a special person. It's just not, you can't just, any ordinary person can't come in and be a funeral director. It is impossible. Like, even if you grew up in a family business, which I was very blessed to do, but like, even if you did most of the time, those kids and grandkids do not get in the business. So it does, like it takes a, a person that goes with that, that has to be able to sink their teeth into it. And the burnout and churn is super high. And it's because like, we're, you're always on the clock sort of, even if you don't have the phones, you're yeah. thinking about service. It, it's, it's constant. And if you're not getting compensated, I, I think the big thing is why we need to continue to work as funeral homes to increase all of our revenues so we can be better businesses so we can hire more employees so you can have more of that balance Mm -hmm. so it's not like i need to be going full throttle from the second i walk in the door to the second i leave if you can have like a little bit more of a flow Mm -hmm. it'd be really nice or a little bit more of like not as sporadic of a schedule where you're running around you're like where am i going to get to next like ah and then by the end of the day you're just you're done so I think it's all those things. That's why we need to work hard to find different ways where we can bring in more money. Not so our businesses, like if you own a business, of course you want to make more money. That's right. the whole point. Yeah. But so we can take care of our employees. Then they're going to be a better employees. They're going to treat our families better. And yeah. then we're going to get more business. And, and it's just a whole circle. Yeah. And I think like the other thing I was just thinking like with the, you know, like increasing revenue is that there's nothing to me that is unethical about up like upselling or like trying to convince people to eat at your place because we already know everything that happened like the thing that you do after a funeral is that you go and you eat so i i think that because in my head i always have like i'm always having like an argument with an imaginary person that's like haha poking a hole in this or in this but it's food is you you've got to eat like you got to eat it is it's like the clearest cleanest ethical exchange of like service and goods because it's like 
maybe you don't need a casket. Maybe you don't even need an urn. Maybe it's like all of that other stuff. It's like, okay, sure, sure. But you have to eat. You get, you, you have <laughs> Everyone to does. So why aren't we making that money? Like, why aren't we taking like, right. you know, like just, yeah. So. And I, and I think uh, most of the time it's going to be, you know, more affordable than going to a restaurant anyway. So yeah. uh, it works all in all. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right. I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started mortuary marketing. And I got to tell you, all the funeral homes we work with, are they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home, and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. So last part, let's talk about your your Patreon that you're working on. Um, tell us a little bit about that before we let you go. Yeah, um, so my Patreon, um, I do it with um, Sandra Baker and Melissa Meadow, uh, the modern mortician. And um, to make things just, you know, super easy to remember, it is its own unique name called uh, Big Sleep Productions. Because <laughs> okay. we don't believe in continuity at all. Um, <laughs> we we wanted to, like, find a name that, like, felt good for all of us, like, coming. Because it's like, I'm mortician in the kitchen. She's the modern mortician. Sandra's the radical reaper. We have the end and it's like, okay, like what's something that's just like funny, punny that we can remember that we can like be like, follow our Patreon, the big sleep, you know, like, um, and it's just, it's basically a a house for all of our like content creations. I've started putting up a lot of like digital art that like either I'm making and printing, but like if you're a Patreon or patron, then you can download it for free. But we basically, we have a tier level that is $1.00. Um, because we know that, uh, life is expensive and, um, people, you know, might not have a lot to give, but between the two of us, we have like an astronomical amount of followers. I feel like we should be doing yeah. way better at this thing. Yeah. Uh, cause we haven't really been focused on trying to make money. We've just like in a very authentic and I mean this kind way, we've just been like, I love just making content and I love educating people and here's you thanks. Give, for- give, give, give. Like that's a good thing. And then like, that's on the end, that's when you're going to get something back you're going to receive like that's yeah. what the whole the whole thing is and that's why you give it's not to receive it's like you like to give and then it's just the universe reciprocating i think that's how it works yeah that's it works. yeah i i definitely think that too yeah this is definitely this is a this is an unconditional love that i think that we give um yeah. but if you would like to give me money i like money <laughs> um Money is good uh, because then I can focus on making more content and making more cooking videos because those are very expensive and they add up and they take, yeah. I mean, you know, because you're going to have to edit this. A three minute video, it's about three to four hours of my time. Um, and I have, you know, I don't have a lot of time off. So, um, right. you know, if we had like 10,000 people give us $1 a month, that would be enough for me to quit my side gig. That'd be enough for like, we could all just like, just constantly focus on content creation. And this is all I want right. to do. This is, I, yeah. I love, I have like, you're eight, great at it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't see myself doing anything else. I hope that I yeah. can continue to do this. So give me your money. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. Go to big sleep. So we'll, put, we'll put that link uh, in the notes and okay. everyone check it out. 
um, so we can keep doing stuff like this for for Amber and everyone else that is on the Patreon. And um, I think we learned a ton. I think Field Director is going to get a lot of value um, about everything that we talked about with on the food side of things. It's a whole different aspect that sometimes we don't uh, fully take into consideration. So um, I just want to thank you for for all that and for everything that you do. It's you're helping a lot of people. Today you're helping funeral directors, but you do a lot more for the whole general public, like trying to help them, you know, cope with their whatever they're going through. And um, you know, we we just appreciate you taking the time to be here and everything that you do. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks. I, and I would definitely say, um, if any funeral director wants to like reach out to me, um, please, please email me or message me on Mortician in the Kitchen or email me Amber at MorticiaInTheKitchen dot com. I am full of ideas and have used every single design program ever, which is something that I know as a funeral director, you might not have had the time to spend time learning, but I am like a wealth of information and I'm happy to problem solve or give ideas or, you know, anything like I really want our lives to be easier. So please, um, I'm very nice. Please message me. (laughs) Thank you so much for everything. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs)